All right, here's your test. You ready? Good morning. Oh, man, you're feeling good this morning, I can tell. And despite all the fog and everything that's outside, we're glad you're here this morning. Um, it's good to be with you as uh, Pastor Jim and Miss Kim are still out. And we ask that you guys just continually pray for them um, as they're going through this difficult season of their life. And they uh, send their love and their support to you and their family. And just, you know, they can feel your, your prayers. If you're watching online today, thanks for being with us. We're glad you're joining in. We are in our week four of our series on seasons. And today we are talking about something that every one of us faces, and it is temptation. And so I thought, like, what better thing could we do to talk about temptation um, than to bring out some Krispy Kreme donuts? How many of you are Krispy Kreme fans in here? Let's, let's see. Okay. All right. And then I know there's that other group, the Dunkin' Donuts people or whatever. Or, okay. Uh, a little bit. All right. A little, a little more scarce there. Um, so... I wanted just to illustrate a point here, and um, so last night on my way home, I stopped by to get this from the Krispy Kreme um, store there, and the hot donut sign was on. And so I had all intentions uh, for bringing you guys a dozen donuts fully intact as an illustration to show that I can, in fact, um, under pressure and temptation, not cave in. And uh, so I sat on, on my front seat, and um, the more I drove, the better they smelled. And I said, you know, I'm not going to cave into this temptation. I have a point to prove tomorrow at church. And then my mouth started salivating. And I could just, you know, have you ever just, you know how they come right off the conveyor line? And, and it, like the glaze just starts hardening just a little bit, and it's kind of crunchy, but still... And so I stand up here ashamed today and um, in confession that I had two of them last night on the way home. <laughs> so I too struggle with that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if you're riding down and you see the hot donut sign, you don't even have to be thinking about donuts. You know what I'm talking about? Like you might not even really be hungry. And then you see that sign, or it could be something else, and all of a sudden it's like you want to jerk the thing and just cut over the median, cut the car off, and just pull into the parking lot because it's like, man, it's on. And, and so we all have that, uh, that struggle sometimes when it comes to temptation. I mean, I was, I was trying to be spiritual too. You know, I, I was like quoting scripture like, you know, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word, you know, of God. And then, you know, I, I tried that, and I don't know if it was the enemy or just, you know, bad... Um, thinking about scriptures I learned as a kid, but 1 Timothy 4, 4, everything God created is good. <laughs> Nothing should be rejected when, and received without thanksgiving. So I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, so I think all you guys can attest to that. Um, but out of nowhere, I mean, even you guys right now, you're sitting in here, you haven't even thought a thing about Krispy Kreme. And the whole time that box sitting there is going to mess you up. You're just, you're thinking about it, just bam, right in the face. And uh, I've always, I think Pastor Farrell said he always just wanted to, like, lay on that conveyor belt and go on it upside down <laughs> and let the glaze just cover you. And I, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody was telling me just this past week that they actually service those machines for Krispy Kreme and, and referenced that comment to him. And he said, you wouldn't believe how many injuries people have because of how hot that stuff is. Like, that's the number one injury at Krispy Kreme is the glaze stuff. I thought, well, it may probably be just be worth it, you know? Like, <laughs> anyway, 
Um, you know, we all have these things like this, and we joke around and laugh about it. And my, you know, my wife and I, um, we, every now and again, we go through seasons where we want to uh, go on these diets and stuff like that. And I'll never forget, we were on this eight-week diet, and um, after about six weeks, I mean hardcore, like intense, like control your portion size, what you eat, you know, low carb. It's basically the, the paleo diet. And, and after about six weeks, we're sitting in the living room and one day, and, and she says, I cheated. And I was like, just like out of nowhere. I'm like, what do you mean you cheated? She's like, I, I cheated on the diet. I cheated. I'm like, are you kidding me? We've been on this thing for six weeks. She's like, I know. I just couldn't help it. I was just sitting there, and I went to the fridge, and it was just right there in front of me. And she's like, and I was so hungry, and it looked so good. And I was like, well, what did you eat? She was like, a carrot. I'm like, what? Yeah, because you couldn't have carrots on this diet because they convert to carbs and all this stuff. I'm like, really? If I'm going to cheat, man, I'm, I'm going to go big, you know? I mean, you just don't cheat on a carrot. It's like a, a rabbit food, you know, celery and stuff like that. And, and uh, so, so we all have this. I'm just trying to point, paint the point that we all face temptation. It's something that every one of us struggles with. This is not one of those sermons where you're like, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to, you know, today to be able to hear this. No, this is something that we all face, and we're not prone to, um, nobody is excluded. And uh, so what is temptation, right? If we, just, if we looked up just in the dictionary, it would say a desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Because there's just this negative connotation that temptation, uh, what comes with that is something that's bad. Now, here's what I know. There's three types of people in, in this room today. The first type is people uh, who have been affected seriously by temptation. And what I mean by that is you have either experienced through yourself, uh, a family member, it could have been a parent or something like that, that who gave in to temptation and it might have wrecked your life as a kid. Your parents may have gotten a, a divorce uh, because they gave in to the temptation of, of another man or another woman. Um, you might know someone or, or have somebody close to you who experienced the temptation of cheating. It could be like on their taxes or, or things like, you know, on their job. And because of that, they lost their job or they were arrested and something like that. So all of us face that, but there's another group that um, has that same thing, but you have come through that. And what I mean is, because of God's grace and his mercy, a, a relationship was able to be salvaged, and because of you know, his goodness, uh, there was restoration that took place. So you've come through the temptation, but you're on the other side of that. And then there's a third group of you here today that are facing or maybe on the verge of a serious temptation in your life. And you're kind of at that pinch point where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm tired of wrestling with it. I know it's not the right thing to do, but my flesh wants to do one thing. And, and you're kind of like at that pinch point of, if you, if you make this decision, or let me just say it this way, if you were found out, if you were found out by your kids or by your spouse or by the people you work with, it would ruin you. It would put you in that top category. So that's really where all of us kind of lie in it when it comes in here today. Or you might just be the, the really the fourth one I, I we could have said, and you're just not in there. You're just the super spiritual holy one. So um, give us pointers and, um, on what to do. But, but we all face different temptations. I mean, it could be things like jealousy. Um, you struggle with the temptation of just getting you know, angry about a lot of things. Um, lust is obviously one of the most common, especially in our society and our culture. Uh, it could be sexual sin. Um, the abuse of alcohol and drugs. I mean, we could just paint a picture and go on and on where, you know, it pretty much covers everybody in this room. But it's important to know this, number one, that temptation does not become a sin until it's yielded to. 
Okay, so that's one thing that all of us need to understand today is it does not become a sin until you yield to that, until you give in to that, because we can't escape the temptations of life. And if we want, you know, to prove that point, if we need the clarity in that, all we have to do is go to Scripture and see that, because the Bible clearly paints a picture for us that Jesus was also tempted. And so I'm going to go ahead and have you turn to the book of James with me, chapter 1, while we continue to talk for just a moment. Jesus gives us this model of what we should do when it comes to temptation and how we should be able to uh, push it to the side and, and what some practical steps that we should do to overcome it. And so today we're going to talk about five things. And, and those five things, five points, are also going to be application as well. Because, you know, it's one thing just to talk about it, but we're going to give you five things that are also application to help you to get through temptation or, or help someone that you might know get through temptation. And so James chapter 1, verse 13, we're going to look at this uh, scripture here. It's very important, but before we do that, our first thing is we have to anticipate it, right? We have to have this expectation, number one, that it's going to come. Say it to yourself, it's going to come. Let's try it one more time, now you know, it's going to come. And so we have to be prepared in that because James tells us in in chapter 1, verse 13, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So we get the second thing, but it might be easy to miss the first part of the scripture. God doesn't tempt us, right? Because where there is light, there can't be darkness, and God is good, he is holy, so there's no evil in him. So it doesn't come from him. So we understand that it comes from the culture, the enemy, the world. We can trace it back to Satan, we get the whole picture. But the first thing that's easy for us to jump over is this. The first word, when. When tempted. James is saying, when it comes, when it shows up, when you see it, when it comes to fruition, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So James is telling us that you and I are going to be tempted. It's going to happen. And so two things happen when temptation comes. Number one, it either strengthens, strengthens us and helps us draw closer to God because we lean into him, we rely on him. Or number two, the thing is, is we yield, we yield to that and we become a solicitation of evil. So we've got one of those two choices. Yield to, yield to it, solicitation of evil, or lean into God and become stronger and our, our walk becomes stronger with him. And so I love this picture. When we see Jesus getting ready to be betrayed and we see them praying in the garden in Matthew chapter 26. He's there with his disciples and he we read this scripture that says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now let's set this whole thing up just so it comes full circle. Number one, these are the guys who went every day and ministered with Jesus, right? We're not talking about secondhand. We're not talking about, you know, our, our the next generation who read about it and heard about it. We're talking about the guys who literally every day got up you know, they woke up, they went to city to city, they saw the miracles, they saw the 5,000, right? They're sitting there and they see, you know, the people who were blind, um, you know, be able to see and so on. So these are the people who were closest to Jesus. So if anybody would be excluded, it would be them, right? Anybody who wouldn't feel the temptation is the people who literally walked with Jesus. But here we see in Matthew 26, he says to them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Because he knew that soon a time would come where they would. 
Jesus being God, in his foreknowledge, he knew what was expected of him. He kept telling his disciples what was going to take place. He had that conversation with Peter, if you remember. You're going to deny me. Lord, I'd never deny you. And he was telling them, guys, listen to me. Watch, anticipate. Number two, we need you to pray about it because it's going to come. You're going to think about doubting Thomas, right? There's going to come a point where you're going to doubt that the whole thing took place. There's going to come a point where you're going to deny me, and I want you to be ready. And they're, no, 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 Lord, we're not, that's not going to happen. We're not going to, and he's telling them, you've got to be prayed up. You've got to watch. You've got to anticipate it so we know that it's going to come. And it's true for us. We can anticipate it, and we can even narrow it down a little bit more. All of us can pretty much tribute, can contribute and know what it is we're going to face, right? I mean, you just don't wake up one day and you go, I think I'm going to go shoot up some black tar heroin today. Like that's, that's the number one thing on my radar. We don't, there, we don't jump from like nothing to extreme, right? There's this process that takes place. We gradually, I mean, anybody who's addicted to drugs, it starts out small and it's like the, the high's got to be better. And, and some of you may have come through that and God has worked through that and that is awesome. But you can attest to that today. But all of us can say, I know what my thing is. Like if I had to give out a piece of paper and I told you to write it down, you, there's probably just that one thing that just jumps to the top of your mind like, that's what I struggle with. That's what I'm tempted with. And so we face those things over and over. I mean, you could have um, some friends of yours that every time you go to their house, it's like, I know it's going to be a gossip fest. And I just know if I go hang out with that person, that's all they're going to do and they're going to they're talk about it. Or I know if I stay home this weekend or if I go out of town on business trip and I'm by myself, you know, there's that temptation to, to fall, uh, you know, with my computer or my cell phone or what's on TV. And we can, the list goes on and on and on, but we know the temptations that we face. And so we can anticipate those pressures that we face. And so he's telling us, he tells the disciples, and it's a message to us as well, you need to watch and you need to pray because you too can fall victim to temptation. So the first thing is anticipate. The second thing is ask God for help. That's that part of that prayer. We ask God for help in those times. Now listen to me. This is so important. You cannot, you cannot overcome this by yourself. You might think you can, but let me tell you, you can't do it on your own. Why? You were not designed to do it on your own. When God created you, he created you in the Imago Dei, the image of God, but he did not wire you to handle all these things by yourself. And so if you think that you can handle the temptation, the pressures of life, and these things that you're facing, then you're going to fail. You are absolutely setting yourself up with, for failure. And for the majority of you that are, are still constantly struggling, it's that habitual sin, it doesn't go away and it's over and over and you yield to it over and over, it's because you haven't fully surrendered it to God. You haven't relied on him to do that. So you can't overcome it on your own. One of the first jobs that I took when I got out of college was in sales. And, and I wasn't the greatest salesman, I'll tell you that. But I went to sales school, and for those of you who are in sales, I know a lot of you, I've met, you do that, and you're great at it. You teach, there's like a, a, a lesson or a course that you go through on sales, right? You work with guys, and they've got this thing like the right things to say and how to follow up with clients, and they've got, you know, when people give you rejections, you follow up with things like the, the butts, the rebuttals, and, and so they try to teach you and train you to deal with those pressures because what? They want you to succeed. 
And so I would go through, I went through insurance school and I went through sales school and we did all these things and, you know, I'd sit down with people and they'd say, oh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to buy that. And I'd go through the whole, oh, well, you know, it's only for 25 cents a day, less than a cup of coffee, you know, and, and I'd go, give them all these rebuttals and things that would help do it to make the sale. And, and sometimes it would work and sometimes it didn't. Let me say this to you, that is not how we deal with it when it comes to temptation. We can't just manage it on our own. We can't creatively go, well, I, I think I'll try this. And I think without God, we are going to fail. And if we truly want to experience the freedom that he has for us, number two, we have to ask and lean in to him for help. Does that make sense? So we're given wisdom in Psalm 50, 15. And we say, or we see that it says, call upon me, in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. And so what we see here, the writer of Psalms says that when that day comes, call out, literally say audibly to, to God, God, I need your help right now. Because you can anticipate it, but when the pressure's on, it's a whole different ballgame, right? When you think about it, when the pressure's on, it's a whole different thing. So don't just watch and pray. But call out to God and ask him for help because he is there and wants you to. And it says, and I shall rescue. He will, as we'll see in just another scripture, he will provide a way out for you. He doesn't want you to only be prayed up and watching, but he also, when the temptation arises, he wants to rescue you. And you don't want one without the other. You don't want to anticipate and not pray, and you don't want to just pray and not anticipate it. They kind of go hand in hand. So we're getting these practical steps for us to do when it comes. And you know what the beauty of it all is? Is this. God understands. He understands exactly what we're facing. He understands what we're struggling with. He knows what we're going through because he went through it as well. When we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16, it tells us, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in what? And how much is all? Who was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we could go back into the New Testament when Jesus starts his ministry and how he fasted for 40 days and he went into the desert and he was tempted. Right? We see how the, Satan came to him and he tried to, to talk him and basically bypass God's plan for his life. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that he also was tempted in all things. And he understands our fleshly weaknesses. And God doesn't stand off from afar going, I can't even believe that you're going to give in to that. I can't believe that we are still dealing with that temptation. How are you not further along in this process? But he is able to sympathize with us. And he says to draw near to him during those times. Because why? He was able to go through those temptations without sin. So we should do the same thing. We should lean into him, to trust into him, lean in his grace and mercy when we are struggling. And he will help to see us through. Those of you who are parents, you know this when it comes to your kids, right? There, you would think that after time, you, you should only have to tell them a couple of times before they get it. Right? When, when kids start to walk and they start pulling up on things and, or pulling down on things, you could say, no, don't touch, or you, know, you might pop their hand, or you might do different things. But 
they look at you after you, you kind of discipline them the first time, and they're like, wait, you know, that hurt, or why are they yelling at me? Or, and so they kind of like step back, but then the next time that happens, you do it again. And they're like, and so hopefully it, it you know, gets a little bit further apart. But as a parent, you can't expect for your six-year-old to act like they're 20. Like my wife and I have this conversation all the time you know, about are our expectations unrealistic? Are we being too strict? Are we being too hard? Are, you know, our, our friends do this and we do this. And so we have this constant dialogue. But I couldn't help but to think that God is the same, the same way. He looks down at us. He doesn't expect us to be. We can't be. There's nothing in us that is good. We can't be Jesus. We have the model. That's what we strive for. But when we fail, it's like, okay, look. He disciplines us. He, he, he teaches us. And he says, okay, stand back up. Let's go on. And then it comes again. And it's like, ah. But he's right there to help us, to pick us back up, to help us along on this journey. And so, so many churches... You know, expect that when you come to Christ, all of the stuff should change. All the bad habits, all the bad language, every this bad decision you've ever made for 20 years just disappears. And that's not how it happens. For some it may, but for the majority of people it doesn't. And so there's this continual struggle. It's the picking up your cross every day to follow him. It's hard, it's difficult, but we keep pressing on towards the prize. But I think that that's how God operates. He looks at us and he says, look, I get it. I know you failed, but look, let me help you out. Come on, let me dust you off. You know, he, he corrects us and he, let's keep going. Let's keep marching on. And so if you're struggling today, I, I need you to hear that, that God is not looked down and he goes, oh, you absolutely disgust me. He goes, listen, I can sympathize with you, but I need you to trust in me. I need you to turn to me. I need you to surrender to me. I need you to anticipate with me. I need you to call out and pray to me because I want to help you through this. And when we see in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it, it talks about the three categories. If you want to go, when you have time to look at it, Jesus was tempted in three categories. What, what are those? Number one, the lust of the flesh, right? The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I mean, the internet was not obviously around. Right, there wasn't no prescription drugs, there wasn't, you know, uh, Snapchat or all these things. I mean, but, but there were every, every sin can be grouped into three categories. The lust of the flesh, sexual sin, gossip, violence, drug use. I mean, we could, I could go on and on and on. The lust of the eyes, you know, when we see David and Bathsheba, we see um, coveting what other people have and desiring what they have, being jealous. That could be in that, the feeling of entitlement, I deserve this, I need this, or, or just the pride of life, you know. Having prestige and power and wanting, you know, glory and to be famous. And so we can group all three of those things into those categories, or, or all the things into those three categories. And the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all things. Now, we don't have a full exhaustive list of everything that Jesus did. The Bible says if he were able to record all the miracles, you know, these books couldn't contain it. But we do have the accounts in the Gospels. So we know there's other things that came into Jesus that he was able to withstand. But he was tempted in all categories. And so why wouldn't we ask God? Two reasons. One, either we don't want his help, or two, we're just too embarrassed to do it. We're just too ashamed of ourselves that we don't want to do it. So we've got to anticipate it. We've got to ask God. The third thing is we have to admit our struggles to someone. Now, you might be sitting there going, okay, I got the, I got the first one. I can anticipate it. Number two, I can, I can pray and ask him when it comes. But you want me to do what? You want me to tell somebody about it? All right, no, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to do it on those two. But the Bible gives us this picture that we should 
admit our struggles to other people. And I know it's embarrassing and, and it's shameful and we might be afraid, but James 5.16 tells us that we should confess our sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be what? Healed. And this isn't just like something somebody wrote down. This is the inspiration, the word of God. He's saying if you want to be healed, if you truly want to be free, let me tell you a step that will help you to do it. Number one, you admit that to the person and then you guys pray about it so that healing can take place. What I'm not saying is you take that and we have a confession service and all of us get up here and share what's going on in our lives. Because one, we'd be here for the rest of our, our lives because we don't have the time. And I'm not saying you go online on Facebook and post it as your social media status, although some of you do and I don't understand why. <laughs> you find another person, you find another believer, a person who will help you in this process. And you don't find one that struggles with gossip. All right? You know your friends. you got some people you just don't tell everything to. But you find somebody that wants to hold you accountable that can help you through the temptation that is going to truly pray for you. And, and this is so important that is going to come to you after you guys have shared and go, how are you doing in this area? Tell, be honest with me. How, how have things been this week? How, how have it been this month? How have your, you and your wife been? You want that person in your life. And I'm going I'm to say this. If you can't tell someone then you need to know these two things. Number one, you are not in control of the sin you face. Your sin is in control. If you can do the first two, but you can't share that with somebody, you, you truly, I believe, you don't want healing. You haven't hit rock bottom yet, and you don't want to be free from it. Because, let's be honest, Christians want to act like, man, we got it all together. We come in here, we put the smile on, the handshake, how you doing, got our cup of coffee, man, this week's been great, and everything's okay. We don't want to let people into the struggles that we face every day. We don't want to let them know with temptation because they might judge us. But guess what? If they were honest, I guarantee you, they could share their struggles with you also. So we have to be able to do that together. As a student pastor for five years, um, you know, let's just, let's be honest. Um, teenagers, they all struggle with about the same thing in a sense. I mean, they vary, but... You know, we know what teenage boys struggle with and, and girls, I mean, just acceptance and uh, lust and, and things like that. And so we were going through a series and, um, and talking about that. And um, I was given resources and, and things that could help guys. And I said, look, if you, if you truly want to be free from sexual sin, let me, let me help you. And, and, you know, this was 10 years ago almost. So smartphones have gravitated even more, but computers were, were um, prevalent back then and and I said, you know, you can download this software to your computer and it will track all your search results and it will track everything you go and it will email um, a, a report each week of anything that may show up to your accountability partner. And, and I had after the service like five guys come up to me and like, man, will you be my accountability partner? Because I need help. I can't do this on my own. I said, absolutely, I won't judge you. But let me just tell this to you. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to ask you. Anything that pops up, I'm going to sit down. And I said, and matter of fact, before I said this, I said, I've got somebody that has the accountability software that gets my email report. Okay, so I'm not standing up here like, oh, you guys do this. This is me too. And so it happened. 
and, and I would get emails and I would call guys and I'd text guys and I'd say, hey man, something just popped up and you want to tell me about it? And they're like, man. And I've had guys sit down and just, you know, sit down with me and cry and say, man, I just cannot. Every time I'm by myself and I'm like, man, let me help you with this. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask you. But if you want to be truly free from this, these are the steps that we're going to have to do. And then fast forward, I've had guys come to me, have later gotten married and like, man, you don't know what that did for me later on now that I'm married because I was controlled by that and I would not want to take that into my marriage. People that came here who went off and have gotten to ministry, I mean, you, you just wouldn't believe it. And so if you're truly serious about being free from temptation, you need to invite people into your life to help you be accountable. Number four, avoid tempting situations. You'd think this would be the easiest of all of them, right? I mean, if you struggle with it, if you struggle with gluttony and overeating, you know, you don't go to Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. Or you pray that God would help you, or you go with a friend and go in moderation, like, be my company partner, we're just going to eat two donuts, right? Or maybe I should have said, if you're struggling with, uh, if you're on a low-carb diet, you shouldn't go there, right? That might be a better one. You don't go to a bar if you struggle with alcohol addiction, it's probably not the wisest place if you struggle with it in the past. If you, you were in AA, it's probably not a good idea for you to go out late and hang out with guys. You know, I'm not going to participate. I'm just going to go. Probably not the wisest decision. You don't get a credit card when you're massively in debt. It's too tempting for you to spend money you don't have. You don't go to Lowe's or the mall when you're on a spending freeze, when you're on the Dave Ramsey. Or if you do, you just take your envelope and that, you don't take a card with you because you can only spend what you have in your envelope, right? And you don't go to Hooters just to get wings. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. So many people, we, me, us, all, are careless with the choices and the situations we put ourselves in. I mean, if we could attribute it back again, we don't even think about the donuts until we ride by it. You might not think about the alcohol until you sit in the bar, or you might not think about lust until, you know, you, and look, we can, let's be honest, we could be scrolling through Fox News and we're like, oh, God, don't look at the right side of the screen. Don't look at, don't scroll to the bottom. It is just constantly bombarding. So we have to make wise choices in the things that we do and try to avoid tempting situations. We have to put boundaries in our lives. And you guys and myself, we have to put boundaries in our lives. I heard this quote. It says, it's hard to pick forbidden fruit if you're 100 yards away, but it's easier if you're at arm's length. Temptation has been there since the garden. Go all the way back to Genesis. It's always been there. And so it's easy for us when we're far away from it, but if we get at arm's length of it, it's easy for us to cave into. And so we have to think about our boundaries. And I love this quote too. It says, without God, what we think about continually, we will give in to eventually. Without God, what you think about continually, you will give in to eventually. Pastor Craig Rochelle, who is the pastor at Life Church 
Twitch.tv in Oklahoma. It's with their, their multi-site church, the largest church in, um, in the United States, I, I believe, if they add up all the, their campuses. He said that when he became a megachurch pastor, he realized how hurtful it would be to the thousands of people that attended his church. And those beyond, if he were ever to have a moral failure. So he said, I, avert, I avoid certain situations. He said, number one, I never travel alone. Never by myself when I travel because I, I don't want to put myself or, or if I were to do anything while I'm out traveling in that situation. He said, I don't even have access to social media on my phone. He said, I, I don't have social media access on my phone. He says, I have software on my computer and my phone that reports every site that I visit to my accountability partner. Because why? He knows the devastation. Could you think, I mean, think about it. We see this happen all the time. Pastors, and let's just be honest, all of us, but pastors and people who are up front leading are even more prone to attacks. And so if that's you, if you're in a position of leadership, if you're a Christian and you have, you know, a lot of influence, you need to first be aware that you are probably more prone to attack than just the average Joe. And he says, how many people would this affect if I were to have a moral failure? If something like this were to come out in my life, the number of people who look to me for spiritual guidance and then I let them down. Look at the, the ministry that have just been um, torn apart. And, and the families that have been wrecked because of temptation. And so if you're serious about that, number four, you need to avoid tempting situations. And then number five, affirm God's word. We need to affirm God's word. So we anticipate that it's coming. We ask God for help. We avoid tempting, tempting situations. We admit our struggles. And then the last one is we affirm God's word. When Jesus was in the desert, we saw that Satan came to him. And again, he tried to get him to bypass his plan, God's plan for his life. Remember, he took him up on top of there, the, the temple, and he said, look, you know, look out, or the mountain, and look out as far as you can see. All of that, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give it to you. And what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture, right? And, and he said, you know, away from me, Satan, it is written. If you keep, you keep seeing this phrase, it is written. And then, and then Satan tries to get crafty, right? Satan even quotes from Psalms. And it says, like, concerning him, if, you know, you were to throw yourself down, wouldn't God come, you know, and save you? Wouldn't he send his angels to rescue you? And then what, what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. It is written, do not test your God. And, and so every time he would be tempted, Jesus responds with scripture. And so he gives us this model that when we are going through the battle, when it comes, we ask for God, and then we begin to quote scripture of what that looks like. Now, now obviously, we made a joke when it comes to donuts. But when the heat is on and time is tough, it's important for us to know what the Bible says. And what I would say to you and to me today that is absolutely amazing is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can, so that you can stand up under pressure. 
so that you can stand up under it. So God is telling us one thing, I will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And number two, I will provide a way out. You just need to call out to me. Because sometimes we think we're just going to cave under the weight of it. And we, we can't do this on our own, and we can't. But God will give you a way out. And so you need to pray, God, where's my way out? Where's my way out? If you're by yourself and you're struggling, your way out's the front door and go find some people to be around. If you're in a group gossiping and you're like, man, I want to be part of this, guess what? The same thing. Your way out is, hey, man, I got to go. We got, I got to leave. If we're truly serious, we'll take a stand and we'll try to find the way out. I'm not going to say you're going to win every time. But I think you'll probably win more than you'll lose. And I think God will be honored by that. And he'll help you through it. And so you need to look for the way out. And know that Jesus, again, sympathizes with you because he has been with it and through it just like you have. So I know um, there's many people in here. I look around. I know a lot of you guys are fish and uh, much better at it than I am. But um, I enjoy it. And many of you probably enjoy it. I like catching better than I like fishing. It's always more fun when you catch fish. But, you know, it's, it's funny, like... Um, when you look at just the principles of fishing all together, I mean, you can go to Walmart and go down the aisle and there's baits as far as you can see. And then if you really want to go, uh, go to Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop. I mean, there's basically a bait for everything, every fish and every situation. But, but I think it's so interesting. Before we talked about anticipating it and knowing what we face, all of us know our struggles. And the enemy knows our struggles too, right? And so when we go bass fishing, I mean, you don't go get saltwater lures and try to go catch bass. Although, when I was about 13, I was fishing with some guys, and we saw this bass swimming on top of the water, and all of us could see it. It was, it was about four and a half pounds, if I recall. And all of us took everything we could to catch this fish, and he was just swimming, and he would not bite anything. And... I mean, like, we were getting so excited because, like, if we land this fish, I mean, we threw everything we possibly could. And so I went to my toolbox, and I had a gotcha plug, which you catch um, King Mac or uh, Spanish mackerel and stuff with. And I took that thing. It has two treble hooks on it, and I threw it right and hit that joker right in the face and, and hooked him and reeled him in. And, you know, I, I, there's an asterisk beside that fish, you know, because of, of how I caught it. But I was excited that I landed it. And, but my, my point is this. There's, there's different lures to catch different fish, right? Right. If, if we go out in the mornings, we know that, hey, if the water's calm and it's nice and temperature's right, you, know, you could use this as a buzz bait. It flips on top of the water. And some people call it a horizontal presentation. In other words, you know, it, it goes across horizontally on the water. And, and you can throw that in the morning. Sun's you know, right and water's right and it makes a noise and it'll lure the fish out, throw it on the lily pads. I mean, there's just a situation that, that fishermen throw this in. And if that doesn't work, you know, we, can, we could go into a different presentation, which is like a worm. And that's more of a vertical presentation. And so it, it goes up and down, right? And so it's on the bottom. If the fish are on the bottom, you see it on the depth finder. You can throw this. And, but here's my point. Satan knows what to throw our way to get our attention. He's not... Like I said before, going to throw something out crazy just to get you to go, oh man, never thought of that before. He knows what lures 
to use us, to entice us, to throw at us, to help us try to give in. And so we have to anticipate that. And so when that's not working, I just begin to think, you know, the enemy's like, okay, well, that doesn't work anymore. Let's, let's move on. You know, the buzz bait doesn't work. Let's throw the, the worm. When the worm doesn't work, let's throw the jitterbug. When the gym, jitterbug doesn't work, we throw the frog and we throw the jig. And, we th- and it, he will do everything he can to do us. But let me tell you one thing that happens. The more we rely on him, the more we overcome it, the stronger we get. And, and just like a fisherman, the more frustrated he gets that we're not biting. But you know what I feel like sometimes? You may have seen this before. But this is what I feel like takes place. We're walking around and all these things are just dangling in front of us. And and we can't even see anymore. And we laugh at that, but isn't it true? Every time you go to the register, every time you turn on the news, every time you search the internet, this is all we see. And our lives are bombarded with this. And so now more than ever, we need him. And so I'm going to be really, just real and transparent. As transparent as I know how. Some of you today are at that pivotal point in your life. Let's just say it this way. If you were to be found out, it would ruin your marriage. It would ruin your job. It would ruin your name. And just because you haven't been found out yet, it's not too late. Anticipate. Ask him for help. Admit your struggles. Avoid those situations. And affirm his word. And I promise he will see you through it. He's bigger than your sexual sin. He's stronger than your porn problem. He's greater than your lies and the jealousy and the anger and all these things that you face, whatever you're tempted with, and he will see you through it because he's been through it. The question is, will you take the steps? Will you rely on him today? Or will you keep giving in? I plead with you today. He went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for your temptations and your sin. Don't walk out today without surrendering to him. Would you pray with me? Father, your word says, (laughs) you know us, every part of us. Every intricate detail, every fear, every stress, every failure, every sin. God, you know it all. And while we put on a face that everything's okay sometimes when we come in here, there are people here today who are just rotting from the inside. There are people here today who are tired of going to bed frustrated and ashamed and scared and embarrassed. And and I believe, God, you want to do something in them today. I know you do. Your word says that you do. And you can sympathize with us. And like a shepherd, 
you want to lead us into paths of righteousness. You want to lead us beside still waters, God, but we can't go rogue. We can't go out on our own. We can't do it our own way. And so if you're here today, I just say quit trying to do it by yourself. Trust in him today. Lean into his mercy today. He will see you through. And so God, I pray that relationships, that the people that they need in their lives to hold them accountable, in my life, God, they would be cultivated. But that you give us a passion for your word to know the scriptures, that when temptations come, God, we can stand strong. That you give us the courage not to put ourselves in those situations. And when trouble comes, God, we would lean and ask you for help. And the beauty is this, that when we go through it, God, we know that we can celebrate on the other side and that we are made stronger. So if you're here today and you've never put your trust into Christ, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, you can do that today. We would love to pray with you and talk to you about your next step in the relationship. There will be people here at this altar. And if you're here and you're struggling and you just need some, someone to pray with you and guidance, we would love to pray with you about that as well. But don't leave the same. Father, we pray that this word takes root, that we water it and it flourishes, our foundation is strengthened, and that we would go stronger. In Jesus' name, and everyone said together.